Achieving success, being healthy and wealthy, and lifelong happiness is anyone's ultimate dream. In the grand scheme of things, self-doubt limits you from achieving great things. The path towards the zenith of success and controlling your life is at your hands. This is the Unlimited Influence. Reprogram your subconscious mind with Dr. David Snyder. NLP strategies, all these things that I open loops on, right? The type of hypnosis that I do has evolved over the years. It's become very body-centered. And what I mean by that is the more we get the body engaged and interacting with the hypnotic constructs that we create, the more rapidly, pervasively, and completely people change. As a hypnotist, as a neurolinguistic programmer, our domain is supposed to be the subconscious or unconscious. I can never spell that fucking word. (laughs) I usually say other than conscious mind. OTM for short, right? Huh? Well, other than conscious mind to me, because of course you are. You're next. Uh, other than conscious mind. So I divide the mind up diff- arbitrarily into segments and components based on what it handles. Um, but the, the whole, the whole um, complex of that we call the other than conscious mind. Right? And remember, the conscious mind really isn't the bad guy, although as hypnotists and neurolinguistic programmers, we tend to make it out to be that way. The critical faculty and the conscious mind have a place. Right? In most of the processes that we do, we, we send the conscious mind out for coffee or pizza. Right? In a lot of the processes that you're going to be learning and working with, you're actually going to be utilizing the critical faculty within an unconscious construct. You're going to be creating an interface in which all of the levels of the neurology, all the divisions of the nervous system can communicate and interact with complete understanding and synergy which is how we're supposed to work. The problem is is that we borrow way too much outlook and and approaches to the unconscious mind from psychology and and sciences. If you've ever noticed that most of the divisions in psychology and and sciences, they don't fucking talk to each other. The microbiologists don't talk to the the astrophysicists or or the, the neurophysicists or whatever weird words they use, right? They don't talk to each other. And so what you get is you get a reductionist approach to how everything works. We compartmentalize everything. But that's not how the human being is organized. Yes, we have divisions, but they're interactive, they're interconnected, and they're designed to work that way. But our approaches largely are reductionist. We separate the conscious from the unconscious, the mind from the body, the emotions from the rationale. We separate everything. And as we do, we we progressively weaken and lengthen the time and energy. We increase the amount of energy it takes to get change, and we lessen uh, the efficiency of that change. My job, my, my research over the years from my studies in oral medicine, NLP, hypnosis, energetics, hermetics, yes, I'm a weirdo, right, has shown me consistently over and over and over again 
that the neurology works best when everything is working at the same time. Richard Bandler is famous for saying, people have the problems they have because they confuse remembering with thinking. Right? And then he teaches DPCs to show you utilizing NLP how to think, how to take a process that your neurology has recorded, recorded and encoded in a certain way and using the modalities that NLP discovered, thinking through it and deciding as a, as a deliberate act how to store and reprocess that, that, process, that information. One of the, and, and, and at the time NLP was incepted, it was brilliant, it still is brilliant. But so were cell phones in the 1980s. How many have a cell phone with them that they bought in the 1980s? Why? They work? Right? They don't. (laughs) Right? We need to start thinking differently. We need different models and metaphors for how to run our neurology. Here's a principle I want you to get. Write it down, tattoo it on the inside of your eyelids. People instinctively, inherently, automatically create technology that mirrors the way they think. People instinctively, automatically, inherently create technology that mirrors the way they think, specifically in how they use it. Right? Instinctively, automatically, and inherently. That's an adverb adjective presupposition, by the way. Three in the front, two in the back. Or one in the back. Instinctively, automatically, and inherently. You can, you can change the order any way you want. And by the way, when I use L-Y words, you won't remember them, so you have to keep repeating them. That's one of the seven most powerful language patterns, by the way. Adverb adjective presupposition. Okay? Makes what you're, what you're, what you're listening to extremely pleasant enforces your internal representations to be exactly what I want them to be while spontaneously causing amnesia. Spontaneously causing amnesia. That's how it works. I could repeat the same exact phrase over and over again, or I could change it three different times. You wouldn't have to tell the difference. Right? That's the power of the adverb adjective presupposition. Most of the, 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 the seven most powerful language patterns that we use have that effect. You'll get the message, you'll get the installation, but you'll lose the words. Which allows me to repeat the same words several times, and it'll sound like the new time every time, new thing every time. Or I can say differently. Right? These are again things I use every single day. They're common everyday parts of speech that make what we do either more or less compelling. Right? So how does that relate to feelings in the body? It doesn't. Uh, no, teasing. Everything relates. But the secret now is we need to change, even as hypnotists, we need to start accepting that NLP gave us a lot more than just the structure of subjective human experience, although it did do that. It gave us another form of hypnosis that targets the building blocks of our experience, the bricks and mortar that create the memories and the movies that we carry around in. And it hinted at something deeper. It hinted at it. That the human neurology is holographic and holonomic and fractal in nature. 
Everybody knows here knows how a hologram works? Or how they make one? Any science nerds want to stand up and explain? Go ahead, Seth. I know you just want to stand up and have a moment of attention. <laughs> well, the basic idea of a hologram is that all of the information is encoded in any part of it. So if you take a hologram and project it, you have a beautiful, clear picture of something. If you cut it in half, you have the picture of the whole thing, but it's a little fuzzier. And if you take just a little corner, you have an extremely fuzzy picture, but still of the entire thing. Very good. Thank you. You can be round of applause. How does that relate to the human nervous system? Yes, Dean. I think many people understood this. They, they understood it, but they had a different word for it. Remember, we're using words based on the technologies and the cultures that we have. One of the things that NLP gave us, when you embraced the philosophy of NLP rather than the techniques of NLP, NLP, and even though this is a hypnosis class, there is so much NLP in it, you can't tell where one begins and the other ends, because NLP is just another form of hypnosis. And anybody who tells you different is full of shit. Right? And they don't know their they don't know what they're talking about. Right? But it does, it's like it's like the, uh, the proverbial elephant, the tail or the ear. Right? They're both part of something much greater, which is the holographic universe that we live in. The holographic nature of the neurology. Where both content and structure interact simultaneously. And everything is part of a much larger language, the language of the nervous system. Right? When we think of NLP, we think of the spoken words that we use and how, and how it relates to our, the structure of our experience. But I want you to think of NLP in a different way now. The language of the nervous system. And how that language of the nervous system can be translated into our physical spoken words. And that's a big distinction. Because if the, the nervous system itself has a language, what is it? How does it work? What's the lexicon? What's the Rosetta Stone, if you will? And how the hell does that relate to feelings? Right? So we're going to go deep into what I call the grid next because it's important to understand and how it relates to what we're going to see in the gray room. You see, when I learned the gray room, I didn't have this understanding. It wasn't until I got the spinning download several days later that the universe downloaded the Rosetta Stone I would need to unpack this whole holographic thing. It took me, uh, I, I could tell you the whole origin story, but again, I want to, I want to drill you. So, yes. No. Go ahead. Uh, I've been reading about the NLP. What about the people who are learning English as a second language? Like, I really sometimes have to wonder, do I speak English because that's my internal representation of the actual language? Or is, is it different when I am my, my, my mother tongue? Like, mm -hmm. um, if you're talking about standard NLP that everybody learns, NLP has a strong English bias because that's where it was derived. When you're talking about the language of the nervous system, that distinction goes away. Because you all have the same nervous system. 
You all come hardwired for this language. You're using it all the time. NLP gave you the introduction to it. The language of the nervous system. I often call this the building blocks of thought. I ask people, what are your thoughts made out of? And I get all kinds of really cool answers. And they always miss the big one. First of all, yes, your thoughts are... And I'm going to answer it for you because I don't want to play games right now. I'm just not in the mood right now. I want to I I give you some meat. I just want to download it into you. Yes, your thoughts are energy. Yes, there is an endocrine and hormonal component to your thoughts. But the language of the nervous system distills down to five major elements. Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. Period. You say, well, what about intuition? How do you know when you have an intuition? I feel it. Right? When you have that intuition, where do you feel it? Oh, right here. Oh. It's in your body? A feeling. In your body. Regardless of what NLP wants to teach you or tries to convince you of, the most powerful force in the human body, the most powerful modality, is the kinesthetic modality. Feelings. Nothing happens until you have a feeling. Your clients are going to be your clients because there's a feeling they either want more of or a feeling they want a whole lot less of. Yes, they may make pictures in their head. Yes, they may have voices in their head. They may even sometimes have smells or tastes. But that's not what cooks the rice. Because what really gets them motivated, what really gets them in your chair, is the way that picture or that voice or that smell or that taste makes them feel. Period. Here's the best part. Every feeling that you have has a location in your body. In the world, according to David, we call that the somatic address. That's where all of the information taken in through your five senses, parsed by the cortexes of your brain, and reconstructed as a holographic representation of of vibrational data, manifests. And you act accordingly. Here's the upshot. If you can point to it, you can change it. You can unpack the hologram, and you can rewrite it. Now, when we think NLP, when we think hypnosis, we get this at one level. Here's the part where it gets really cool. All of this has an energetic vibrational reality. Mm-hmm. All of this has an energetic vibrational reality to it, which is also kinesthetic, by the way. There, you can divide that reality, that phenomena. It's not just an illusory construct. It's a container. 
and a dimensional phenomenon. Okay? The interactions, you can think of, and again, if this doesn't resonate with your worldview, don't use it. Just think of it as Rayleigh hypnosis and hallucinations. It'll work just as well. It'll work just as well. You don't need to embrace this model for these things to work. Okay? But you'll be amazed at the distinct difference in the degree of change that you get when you do. Okay? I have done a lot of hypnosis. I've done a lot of NLP. I have never seen the physiological responses that a person generates when you apply this model. How many people have done spinning? How many people have done spinning on someone who broke out in a sweat right after you spun it? How many hypnosis interventions have you done that have that, that caused that? Just spinning, right? Twitching, right? Right? They did the grand mall spinning guy, right? My point is the, the level of somatic engagement that you have adds amplitude to the change work. The biggest part of your subconscious mind is your body. And yet, in the vast majority of our interventions, what's the body doing? Nothing. <laughs> Think about it. Even when you're doing NLP, what are you, you're talking to them, they're making pictures, they're moving shit around. What's their body doing? Nothing. What do you think happens when you get the body involved? You engage the other 85%. Remember I said, remember when you were a little kid playing pretend? You picked up the stick, and when you first picked it up, you knew consciously it was just a stick. It was just a broom for the first five minutes. Six and a half minutes later, it's a real gun, there's real cowboys and Indians, and you're fully engaged, and your body's involved. Get the body involved, and it won't matter what the conscious mind wants. You will, it will create massive, massive absorption. And the moment you have massive absorption, you have all of the system integrated, focused on an interface that every division is doing its job for a defined outcome, and the change happens rapidly. Now, you don't need to know all that, but it helps to understand that the things that you're doing aren't just imagination. They're not just imagination. And when you get the somatic component engaged, literal magic happens. And it doesn't matter what the application is. doesn't matter. I've done this for erotic hypnosis. I've done this for therapeutic hypnosis. I've done this for blasting or changing or enhancing just about everything you can think of. <clears throat> so, remember, I call it point-and-click therapy. If you can point to it, you can change it. Now, every now and then, you'll get somebody who doesn't know where they feel it, but they do. They'll go, well, I don't feel anything. I don't know where I feel it. <laughs> How many were not even paying attention to that, right? It's in plain sight. Remember, everything we do is a hologram. Have you ever seen those little uh, toruses, those energetic toruses that people draw around us when they're talking about heart math or chakras or whatever? Each of those fields is like a filing cabinet. When we talk about the aura, we talk about the electro... I never talk about the aura, by the way, except in disparaging terms. Why? Well, because most people who talk about energy don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You start asking, well, what, what energy is this? And what energy is that? And they go, it's energy. 
right? It, it, it's just it's too vague. It's it's we can't prove this stuff. We can prove you have a proprioceptive nervous system. We can prove you have mirror neurons. You can't argue with that. Does that negate the validity of the aura? No. But we can't really prove a you know a nebulous cloud of colored lights falling around us. That's not really useful on a tactical level, unless you're one of those gifted intuitives, right? Which but the problem with being a gifted intuitive is that you're intuitive. <laughs> Which means by definition you can't teach what you know, right? Unless you're an intuitive, which in case you just kind of sit there and look at you and go, yeah, I get it. And everybody else is going, what the fuck? Right? So we're going to talk about the gray room now. And why all you're going to see all of these components coming together in the gray room. You don't need to know it all, but I've already just loaded it into the system. So it's there anyway, so just forget about it. It's there. Enjoy it. Right? It's not like I install things unconsciously or anything. <laughs> this is where, again, the processes, if you were to see them in a script form, would just make your body, your butt pucker up and run off to Maui. So we're not going to do it that way. So the gray room is very, very simple. You induce. So you have your induction. You deepen. You create a construct. Now, my favorite—I learned this from Jerry Kine. I don't—I don't think he invented it either. Whoever invented the gray room should get a Nobel Prize. I've used this thing on cancer. I've used this thing on knee problems and knee injuries. I've used this thing on fear of flying. I've used this thing on pretty much anything you can imagine. It can easily be a primary intervention as well as a general negativity clearing technique. It's extremely versatile. You create a dome-shaped room with pearly gray walls. In the center of the room is a little fireplace, a big fireplace where the details are up to you. I'm going to suggest that aside from the primary faculty components of the room, you give your subject permission to fill it up the way they want to. And you'll see, when I start riffing, you'll see, you'll hear me do this. For those of you who don't just jump into trance and hijack it. When I start talking and I just start describing things in a hypnotic way, right? What's that? Being David, yeah. Yes, Daniel. Dome-shaped room with pearly gray walls. Yeah, very neutral but very smooth. You know, it doesn't have to be gray. That's how I learned it, so that's what I use. Right? If it ain't if it ain't broke, I don't fix it. I'd be amazed how many times clients break my shit. I gotta fix it. Right? Which is where my cool stuff comes from. Right? Dome-shaped room with pearly gray walls with a beautiful, roaring, warm fire. Each of these is a resource that you can use to install or remove traits. They're all mechanisms of change, right? But don't overthink it at this point. Get the big picture first. Get comfortable with the process, and then innovate all you want. Create a construct. Fire can be in the middle. Fire can be in the middle. I use this in the center. It's a beautiful, beautiful fire pit with a big, roaring fire. Now, I don't say... A black and white marble fire pit with a beautiful lace, uh, you know, foe. That's too, that's too distinctive. You've gotta be descriptive without being, um, specific. Thank you. 
Okay, so that's where the art comes in. Right. One of the ways that you can actually start to kind of do the work with this is to ask yourself: Is there any conceivable way that the person hearing this could disagree with it before you speak it? Right. You got to think about this cognitively first when you're giving suggestions. But when I think about giving a, a, a description of something, right, I have to start finding ways that it could not match their internal experience, and then I have to remove those before I speak. I, yes, Michael? I think the epiphany just happened, right? You went, ah! Yeah, and again, you'll know that right away, right? Because I go, ah! And you'll change, right? <laughs> This yeah. also ties in with the adjective adverb presupposition. Yep. Yeah. If you say it first, it can't be wrong because they're following. Right. It. We haven't gotten to that component yet. But what, what, what Seth was saying, if you if you use the adverb adjective presupposition effectively, using it as it's designed to be used hypnotically, they, their internal experience can't be different than what you described. Most people don't use them effectively, and so they wind up getting all generating all kinds of mental friction. Which is that that feeling of cognitive dissonance or effort that you feel every time you have to back up your internal representation, change it, and move forward again? All bad writing has that structure. Yes, Stephen. Well, Ron, I just want to touch back. You always say in a moment and never in a minute. Yep, in a moment, right? Because in, in, inside, a moment can be forever, right? Like that Bagger Vance movie, just a moment ago. I'm old. Never mind. All right. So as they enter the room, they, the first thing they see is a beautiful orange or, or orange fire pit. I like to use orange. Orange has very special significance in my energetic world. You don't have to use orange. Remember, what I'm giving you is a guideline. Don't get hung up on the details. You can fix it. You're a hypnotist. As they look around the room... Around the room, what they see are what look like colored squares. Now, do I say picture frames? Do I say post-it notes? Do I say uh, television sets? You used to say just papers. Yeah, right? Colored squares could be anything. And then I'll say, some people see top notebook paper. Some people see post-it notes. Some people see postcards. Some evil people even see... Um, ceramic tiles or wooden tiles that they can take down and break up and utilize in whatever way they want. So I create the global idea of what it could be, and then I give them ideas. But however it manifests for you is perfectly okay. You always give them the permission to do it their way. You give them the global idea, and then let them do what you want their way. Follow me? Absolutely. The more things I can make them fill in or cause them to fill in, the less resistance I get. And that is the skill. That is the skill. Okay? And what I say is, as you look around, you notice on the wall are colored squares. You instinctively, intuitively realize that one set of squares represent all the wonderful, powerful, positive resources that you have. All the things that make you feel strong, confident, worthy, deserving. Loving, powerful, capable, whatever adjectives you want to throw in there. While the other set of squares represent all the things that make you feel less than positive, all the things that hold you back, all the things that make you feel worryful, afraid, or fearful, less than confident, less than worthy, less than deserving, they're all there too. Things you consciously understand and remember, 
and things you unconsciously understand and remember. They're on that wall too. If they're on that wall, they're cleared for removal. Awaiting that time when guided with the right expertise and the right technique, you could tell your neurology what to do with them instead. Okay, don't worry about the verbiage, get the idea. Right? If you're worrying about the verbiage, you're going to pay way too much attention to your notes and not the person in front of you. There is a distinct reason why I did not give you scripts or notes. Your job as a real-world hypnotist is to pay attention to the person in front of you, to pay attention and monitor their responses and direct them and adapt as the situation unfolds. That's reality. Okay. When you're ready, and only when you're ready, I want you to reach out with your dominant hand and touch one of those squares that represents a less than positive belief, memory, or experience. One you may consciously remember or one you may unconsciously remember. And as you reach out and you touch that with your dominant hand, I want you to notice Notice that there's a place in your body where the feeling connected to that image lives. I want you to point to it. The moment you do that, you've engaged a completely different set of neurological pathways. The eyes carry the largest amount of bandwidth in the brain, second, or, uh, and the only one that comes close is the hand. Two hands, two hemispheres. Somatic bridge, that's what we call it, somatic bridge. They physically reach out and touch it. If you want to really absorb them with it, you'll see that we do this when we get to magic frame. Take both of your hands, trace the edges of it so you know exactly how big it is. Boom, you've just accessed the complete hologram. Right? The minute they touch, they're there. You've created the, the rheostat, you've created the measuring device. Okay? When you're ready, and only when you're ready, I want you to reach out, grab that square right off the wall, crumple it up in your hands. As you crumple it up in your hands, notice how that feeling in your body begins to shift and change, how it begins to lose all connections, all control, all relevance and control over your life completely. And when you're finally ready to get rid of it, reach over and throw it in that fire. Fire flares up, feel the release, feel the rush. Notice the process taking place. Don't try to measure it. Don't try to manage it. Just notice the process happening. And when it's done, just nod your head to let me know. They're going to nod their head. Test it. Try to bring it back and notice what happens instead. You'll be surprised at what happens. What do you think happens? They can't get it back. They can't get it back. Which part? Try to bring it back. No. When you know it's completely gone, try to bring it back and notice what happens instead. Notice what happens instead. Great way to win arguments. Try to convince yourself that you're right and notice what happens instead. Mm -hmm. 
Again, the whole idea here is everything we're doing is going right to their semantics, it's going right to their convincer strategy, and then we're using linguistics to make sure it's done. Mm -hmm. Right? And they can't get it back, by the way. I push this to the limit all the time. You don't need to. And all you do is you, you actually walk them through the process two or three times of reaching out, touching the picture, finding the spot, ripping it off, crumbling it up, throwing it in the fire. Notice the change. Mm -hmm. Then when you know they've got a solid grasp on the process, turn them loose. You say, I want you to go through every nook, every cranny, every component of this room. Find every square that represents any less than positive belief, memory, or experience. Rip them off the wall. Throw them in that fire. Feel them burn up. Test it. Try to bring them back. Notice what happens instead. And when you know it's done, take all the time you need and let them take all the time they need. Right? This is where you just let them roll. Right? When you know it's done, just nod your head to let me know. Or raise a finger. And you'll see them. They'll get nuts. They'll just go crazy sometimes. Right? The more somatically engaged they get, the faster, deeper, and more pervasive the change is. The more irresistible the change is. Yes, sir? Um, it's what the one that's one they're going to use anyway. Yeah, um, you can use their left, the non-dominant hand if you want, but I just never think about it. People like to use their dominant hand. That's why it's dominant. Right? Well, there are certain processes like magic frame where I'm making them deliberately use both hands because I want both hemispheres involved. Right? Here's the key. The more you engage the meat, the deeper and faster they change. Period. You can when I do a meetup, you'll always sometimes you'll hear me say this. I can always tell who's going to get the biggest changes by how, how much they interact. You know, if you're sitting in the too cool for school row going like this, and I'm telling you to stand up and do something, you're like, and I'm telling you to spin shit and point, you ain't going to get change. You ain't following fucking instructions. Right? Play pretend. Seriously. Play pretend. Have fun with it. Play with the holograms. When we get to magic frame, we start talking about grid work and stuff. We'll get more into that. Right? But that's the process. And you just have them do it. Now, once, once all the, the negative shit is cleared, and all that's left are all the wonderful, powerful, positive things that they've got, then when that last colored square goes into the fire, something amazing begins to happen. Yes, Marty? Just nod your head to let me know with honest and conscious movements. You can use a finger signal. Doesn't matter. You could say just done. Again, you're gonna you can dialogue completely with these people. In fact, when we get into uh, resolution frequency generator, somebody walking in wouldn't think they were in a trance because there it's such an alpha theta state that, but it's all somatic, so it's, the shit just changes. Um, so once let's uh, let me use this as a so. We'll make these the, red, the negatives, right? So once all the negatives are gone, I'm just going to clean them all up, right? Then what we do, when that last colored square goes in the fire, the fire keeps doubling. I mean, every time they throw one in the fire, that fire gets bigger and stronger. 
And you can make that fire radiate any qualities, characteristics, or attributes that you want. You'll hear that when I do. And I don't have a set set of qualities or characteristics. There tends to be a stock number, but sometimes they change as the person in my chair changes and I get an instinct or an intuition about what they need. Yes? What happens when ambiguity arises? We don't know if it's a positive or a negative. What do you want to do with it? You tell them. I ask them, what do you want to do with it? Yeah, I've never had that happen. Never had it happen. Right? But once the, the gray room as a construct is a great staging area for any other technique you want to do. Perfect. You can go anywhere with it. Right? And I'll, I'll show you transitions and things as we go. Nadine, you have a question? You have a terrified look on your face. Right? So you have this beautiful gray room. When the last piece of paper goes in the fire, last colored square goes in the fire, all the remaining colored squares, all the ones that are positive, powerful, represent everything that's good and natural and wonderful about you, they begin to glow. They begin to radiate in energy. They begin to expand and blend into one another, coating the entire surface of this room like big glowing wallpaper. Bathing your mind, bathing your body in everything it most wants, everything it most needs and desires to feel amazing, to feel confident, powerful, in an ever-expanding, infinite, unlimited supply. And you can feel all the cells of your body drinking in that energy, drinking in that nourishment, drinking in everything it most wants and desires to feel amazing, to be the best you humanly possible in an ever-expanding, unlimited supply. Just notice the process taking place. Notice when it becomes locked in completely. When you know it's locked in, try to turn it off and notice what happens instead. Stock phrase, by the way. Once you've, once you've activated a convincer, lock it in. Now, here's the best part about that. If you say, keep going until you know it's impossible to turn off, and they say it, they tell you it's impossible to turn off, and then they turn it off, they lied to you. Right? This is where social influence principles can be utilized in a hypnotic context. It's called commitment and consistency. When you have somebody verbally espouse that it is so, we are hell-bent to keep our word. Right? So when you get them to acknowledge and to proclaim that it's done, our unconscious mind will move heaven and earth to make it done. Because we want to be consistent. You see? A lot of you are going, oh my God, right? Right? Heads I win, tails I win again. Right? Your job as a, cha- a reality technician is to get the change. Right? In a way that your client can validate and recognize it. Fastest way to do that is to act, have them activate their own convincer strategy. Right? Again, these are some of the nuts and bolts. You don't need to know any of it. It's going to be there. Right? Once you have them just fully charged with that energy, you can either transition them into the next phase of the process or bring them out. Right? For, for our particular process at this level right now, we're just going to, we're going to induce, we're going to deepen, we're going to gray room, maybe give a few extra hypno cookies, and we're going to emerge them. That's all we're going to do. Okay? So, yes, ma'am?
No, we're gonna, I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to show you exactly what I want you to do. I just gave you the, the explanation of it. The reason I'm doing that, a lot of explanation and giving you nuts and bolts first is because we're going to pull the audio on this video and turn it into a transcript and then distill it down into a manual that has the bullet points in it. Okay, and we're going to make that available to you. Yes, Daniel? Each time Only the first few times. Because we want to establish the precedent of reach finding the square, finding the somatic address, and have them locking into that process. You got to do it at least three, but I've walked people through it as many as four and five and six times. When you know they've got it, then I'll just say take all the time you need and go through every conceivable part of this room, floor, ceiling. And then Seth, after a couple times, actually came up with a really good tweak. Just look under all those positive papers, those squares as well, because sometimes those things get misfiled. And you may how many times they find shit under there, right? This gives us an introduction to working within our own personal metaphors. And also understanding that even within that metaphor, the things we're only paying attention to are the ones we're consciously asking for. This is what I call the somatic search engine concept, which we'll get into later, right? But um, these are things that, again, they're going on, and I'm, I'm kind of front-loading you with them so that you notice them as we go through it, right? You guys need to go to the bathroom? Go. Come back. We'll come back and do the... Thank you for listening to the Unlimited Influence Reprogram Your Subconscious Mind with Dr. David Snyder. Stay updated by visiting at www.davidsnydernlp.com and follow social media accounts. If you want to reprogram your subconscious mind, don't hesitate to call at 858-282-4663 and we can talk more about what your mind has to offer.